today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to bring you an update on what's going on with a story that we carried a couple of weeks ago here, and it had to do with the proposed development uh, just east of Toronto in Pickering, uh, near Pickering anyway. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, well, it, it brings up a whole lot of concerns about uh, the environment and, and business and growth that uh, has been debated for many, many years. And uh, I thought previous provincial governments had already come to grips with this and, and found that there was a balance here, but uh, apparently not. Uh, so we're going to get into the discussion about that right now. And it has to do with something called Minister's Zoning Orders, or MZOs, you're going to hear them referred to. And uh, yesterday in his daily briefing, somebody asked the Premier about this, and, well, this was his explanation. And let's talk about MZOs. A lot of people don't even know what MZOs are, municipal zoning orders. And what it does is as we come through this pandemic, guess what the number one issue is going to be? Is the economy. And we can't afford to wait. In some cases, some, some municipalities are a lot quicker than others, so I don't want to clump them all together. But in some large municipalities, it could take two to three years on all fronts. So, uh, does that mean that we just throw everything out the window in the, uh, the name of economic growth? I, I, I know that sounds a little crass, but that seems to be the mindset that some people have. It doesn't have to be that way. And there have been things that have been set up in the past that to ensure that we can have a, a logical debate about these sorts of things. Uh, and and what are, this is really I, in, in concert with some concerns we raised on this program a couple of months ago uh, about, uh, well, the idea that the premier has mentioned more than once now about encouraging in, into the green belt uh, for economic growth or residential growth whatever the case might be uh, which should be a no-brainer not to do that but i mean apparently with these these orders that the ministers have at their availability right now uh, seem to give them free reign to be able to do that when and if they want uh, i think it's the wrong way to go uh, to talk about this we're so pleased to welcome to the program david crabby david of course is a former toronto mayor but also a former cabinet minister in the uh, federal government and a former chair of the green belt council David, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for the invitation, Bill. Uh, I, must, I must mention, I've told our listeners this, but I'm, I'm sure I, I have a strong bias in favor of the Greenbelt Council. My wife was one of the initial appointees to the first Greenbelt Council uh, many years ago, where she served with the brilliant Dr. Bob Elgey. Uh, and, and I saw firsthand at that point, David, how th- it doesn't have to be economic growth or the environment. Uh, you both can coexist and both can thrive if you do it properly. Absolutely right, Bill. I mean, around the world, not just in Hamilton, not just in Ontario or Canada, everybody looks for the balance. And it is the balance that needs to be struck. Uh, and, and, and balances are not easy. You're not arrived at them all of a sudden. You, you have to work at them. And so part of the problem is that the government doesn't seem to want to actually work on ways in which to bring the balance about. It wants to just cut through, do its own way, at its own whim. Well, and, and it shocked an awful lot of people because, uh, you know, when the Greenbelt was formed, I know it was not without controversy, and uh, I don't know that uh, I was on Hamilton City Council at the time, and, and the debate at that time, David, didn't seem to be, hey, we don't need this. It was, well, should it be here, should it be there? But I don't think there was too many people that were opposed to the idea of actually doing something about preserving our, our, our very essential wetlands and, 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 and green belts and, and agricultural lands. That seemed to be a no-brainer. I, have we lost that message? Well, no, it was, a, it was a, you're right, it was a no-brainer to be against it then. It's still the way. And, in fact, even this government has, uh, despite the fact, in my judgment, that they're not doing the right things with the conservation authorities and MZOs and so on, even this government is calling for the expansion of the Green Belt. And the reason they are is that the Green Belt has been an overwhelming success. Uh, so we can uh, perhaps in part thank your wife, who worked with the great Paul <laughs> Belgi, by the way. 
uh, I, whom I know. Uh, at any rate, uh, there's no doubt that the, that the green belt is popular. People understand its value, and that's why the government's had to at least, in its words, if not its deeds, has had to say, we love the green belt, we're going to wreck everything else. Well, and there's kind of a, a, a double standard here, though, isn't there, David? I mean, on one hand, the government is saying that the Ford government is saying we want to expand the green belt, and that sounds like good news. Uh, but we also want to give ministers the opportunity to, uh, to, to, you know, to okay incursions into the green belt for something like this proposed development around the Pickering area. It, it, it it's, there's, there's a mixed message here, and it just doesn't seem to make any sense. No, it, it, it is a mixed message, and part of it's got to do, I think, with there, there are. There are parts of the land development industry that have interests to be realized, and I think the government probably spends a little more time than they ought to with them, because if they actually want to do it right, they can, put, they can engender a process, brings people together, and work out reasonable terms. But you have to remember that the weapon that they chose, the, the expansion of the use of MZOs, MZOs knock out any planning and knock out any possibility of changing uh, through public process, no public process, and no appeal. So it's a, it's a dictator's weapon. Now, every once in a while, um, as we, over the years, we've used MZOs for years, but we did about two or three a year when there were things at stake that needed to be dealt with, and most people agreed that that's the way we ought to go. What they've done is weaponized the, the MZOs, so it becomes an instrument by which the minister and his government just move forward without plan, without appeal, and without public process. And that's wrong. And, and, and again, I want to go back to that balance, because I think that's so very important. And I know the local council was actually in favor of this, this uh, warehouse expansion into, into the uh, incursion into the uh, Green Belt. Uh, because, it, let's face it, I mean, you know, when you're in economic dire straits like this, David, I mean, somebody comes along and offers you a few thousand jobs and, and you know, employment and, and, you know, commercial growth, which is going to mean more taxes. Of course you're going to jump at that. Uh, but the, the, the decision here has to, I, I think, be tempered, doesn't it, to say, go ahead and do that, but you can't do it there. That's all. No, you're right, and, and that's uh, what's happened in Pickering, which I've followed for some years now. Um, what's happened is that, of course, they, they're, they're, they were taken to court to, uh, over the MZOs, and the, 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 the new council has agreed to not move forward with uh, hurting the, uh, the, the, green, uh, the, uh, the uh, wetland at this point to, to await a court case, and they added the words, the council will reflect uh, on the future. So I think that they're giving it a reconsideration. An interesting thing to note there, Bill, is that the fact that uh, even if the government, the provincial government wasn't sensitive to it, certainly Amazon, which is the, going to be the user, they backed away and out of it. Yeah, so they uh, obviously. They understand, yeah, but, uh, the, they understand the public's opinion. Exactly. Well, David, we're smarter than, than we were 25 years ago about the environment, aren't we? I mean, we understand. Uh, I guess it was a no-brainer to understand what farmland is all about. And, you know, we need to feed ourselves. So, yeah, we need to protect that. But I, I think there's a, a stronger knowledge about ecosystems and about wetlands and the, the role they play in, in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely, there is now. Part of it's generational, Bill. If, um, if we were, we're raising a new generation. We'll wonder what the heck the old debate was about. Because the, the, the idea, and if the pandemic is teaching us anything, the idea that somehow we have to make sure we reach that balance with nature, that's absolutely the case. 
and then and, and that has been the line of thinking and and you know even subsequent governments i know it was the beginning government that brought this in but uh you know there was always a concern about well this isn't going to last very long but uh as you well know david politicians listen to public opinion and public opinion has swayed heavily in favor of environmental issues i mean we understand that in the last federal election and the environment i think was the, the second most important issue uh in people's minds we understand that you know what we're doing to the planet right now is impacting us not just 20 years from now but today yes absolutely the the formulas has got to be that that issues of ecology and economy and community are not are, are not separate events they are interconnected and they need to be dealt with at the same time and we've set checks and balances and we've set protocols up david and just so people understand i don't want to get too deep into the history of this but past provincial governments uh, conservative governments by the way uh have have you know embellished and brought up the idea of conservation authorities and and, and bodies and local bodies for that matter too to have a say in in the preservation of these lands i mean we're blessed in the hamilton area here with a number of them in london our listeners down at cfpl uh, know all about the thames valley uh, conservation authorities and the work that goes on down there uh and these are ad and and you know they're not saying hey don't develop don't do anything this we don't want to progress that's not the message at all it's that we have to have that but we also have to maintain our environmental standards right now and and the legislation that that really got go, me going about this a few months ago was the that basically is taking the most of the power away from conservation authorities and taking an awful lot of the local planning authority away from local councils exactly uh, and, and indeed although the your program is uh, today is entitled talking about the MZOs, you can't talk about the MZOs and, 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 uh, what it's, and the harm it's going to do and is doing uh, without understanding that they're connected to the government's undermining of the authority uh, and, and the, the powers of the, of, the, of the conservation authorities. Conservation authorities were invented by a conservative government in 1946, and they've served us really well. And particularly in your area, I've done work with the conservation authorities yes, there. Have. I visit Hamilton on a regular basis because I have a daughter and a granddaughter who live there. You guys are really blessed. And so the people should do not take lightly the, the notion that somehow it is not in the environment that's important. It's simply yet another development. Well, just to put that in historical, I guess one of the uh, more controversial uh, projects in this area here in the last 100 years probably was the Red Hill Valley Parkway Expressway uh, and the link. And, uh, and, and you know that got kicked around for about 45 years, David, but the, you came in and worked with the conservation authorities, by the way, uh, to come up with a proposal to say, look, at this is why we can marry these two and get something done. And, and we've seen the result of that as a result. But it's, it's collaboration, not confrontation. No, absolutely. I think that the fight over Red Hill Creek uh, uh, was a, was a thirty year battle, uh, and it reached some kind of balance. And not everybody's not everybody's happy with a balance, but it's like uh, it's like anything else. If you got a balance, it's the thing that allows everybody to to, to move forward. And and uh, it, it seems to me that the provincial government, uh, maybe on some things, they're doing well. But I can say that they have given short shrift uh, to our environmental and ecological concerns. And if we don't fix it, we'll pay for it. And the, the ramifications, David, of this are significant. I mean, we're not just talking about what's going to happen in Pickering, uh, and, and which is important in and of itself. I understand that. And we don't know uh, what's happening here. And the fact that Amazon has backed away from this is, is interesting. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean the project isn't going to go through uh, because it wasn't Amazon that was actually asking for the, uh, the minister of zoning. It was the landowner and the developer. And apparently they're still in place. So this, this is still very much an active file. Uh, but I, the question 
question we always have to ask ourselves when something like this happens, David, is where's it going to be next? Right. And, indeed, they just adopted six more MZOs over the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Six more have just come down. So the government is actually not, chat- uh, they're not chastised a little by the reaction against what they're doing. They're doubling down. And so those who have an interest in what you're talking about, that I've been working on and many, many others, uh, really people need to be paying attention because the government has not yet learned any lessons. They keep on saying, by the way, that they're doing this for housing. There's lots and lots and lots of land. I know this province and the southern part of it in particular. There's lots of land for these things to be done. If they're really interested in affordable housing, there's ways they can do it a hell of a lot faster than they're doing it now without wrecking the environment. Well, and isn't that the job of local governments, too, to a certain extent, David? Uh, yeah. you know, it, when somebody comes along and says, I want to do this, I want to build here, uh, we know that we have an affordable housing crisis in this province, as we do in most other provinces in the country. Uh, but th- this is what zoning is all about. This is where municipalities step in and say, we love your project, Mr. So-and-so, but it's got to go here or here. It can't go there uh, because we don't. that's protected land. We just can't do that. That's what zoning is all about. That's what planning is all about. Uh, and you can't plan for every little municipality in the province from some office in Queen's Park. It has to be done locally, doesn't it? Oh, for sure it has to be done locally. And that's uh, people should remember or know that when you bring in an an MZO, as I've said a couple of times now, uh, um, uh, uh, even right now, uh, that that when you bring in an MZO, all of that protection you were talking about through the zoning process, all of that is just chucked out the window. And, and And there's no appeal, no plan. And, and, and that's how the government is now going about it. There's a much more intelligent, more, more balanced way to go about it. They just are rejecting it because they think that somehow they know more than anybody else. How do we get back on track, David? I, I don't like the fact that we're going down this road. And I, I, well, I at first thought it was just an aberration, but now it seems to be a trend. Yeah, it has to be fought. And, uh, and uh, when I was on the, uh, on the Greenbelt Council, uh, two-thirds of that council and myself, we resigned because we, we knew we had to fight the government, and we couldn't do that from the inside responsibly, so we had to be on the outside. So the only way you can do it is in, in two ways. You make sure that you're getting in touch with the government's caucus and the, gov- and, and the and cabinet so that, that, that they know what people feel. And secondly, when these particular projects, whether they happen to be in Stratford or Pickering or Hamilton, or wherever they are, they need to be fought on the local basis. Well, here's hoping that local councils are going to stand up for this as well, uh, because there's a, a matter of autonomy here uh, and local jurisdictions. And uh, I understand that, as, as you well know, that just about every municipality in this province uh, exists at the behest of the provincial government. That's where they get their charters from. I understand that. But at the same time, there's got to be some respect, I think, for local planning and respect for the decisions made by those councils. And, and these these orders really just short shift that whole thing. No, and if I think if your local councillors anywhere in Ontario believe that the public is with them they'll do the right thing hopefully they will and as we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation uh, we've found once already more than once already i suppose that this government like all governments does react to, uh, to public pressure uh when uh, the premier made some musings about uh, just extending into the green belt way back in his election campaign he backed away from that pretty soon here's hoping they can do the same thing here it, it, david it can only it can only come from local and provincial pressures no doubt about it Exactly. Well, we'll see exactly how they're going to respond to this. A pleasure having you on the program today, David. Stay well again, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. You keep well. Take care.
You too. Bye-bye. David Crombie, of course, uh, former chair of the Greenbelt Council, former mayor of Toronto, and former cabinet minister in the Mulroney government, too, uh, many years ago. And and by the way, that's a point worth making here, too. This is not a conservative versus liberal or left-wing versus right-wing issue. Uh, it was, uh, you know, conservation authorities were set up by a conservative government. And David Crombie himself, of course, a conservative uh, for many, many years. But you can you can be both, understand, okay? You can be a small-c conservative and still have some concerns and respect for environmental issues at the same time. I'm not so sure that this government's actually learned that yet. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.